welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Um, if you don't know, my life and Sarah's life and our family has been a little crazy. I was thought I'd give you, you know, some of you are newer, I thought I'd give you like the, the, the flyover. Well, you can, you know, you, know, you too can... Uh, Maybe if you get married someday, maybe you will have uh, a first few months like this, like we did. So we got married like in the pandemic in May of 2020. So we were doing like wedding planning and like we were planning for a wedding. I think we went from like 300 to like 30. So that was fun. Everyone, no, no one had a problem with being cut from the wedding list, as you can imagine. Um, then uh, we, we honeymooned in Oklahoma instead of the Mediterranean Sea. So no offense if you're from Oklahoma. Uh, but I think we can all admit the Mediterranean Sea is a little bit, you know, different. I'm not going to say better. Go quite as planned. Uh, then we had, you know, a wonderful Texas summer 21. And I think right when we got, like, terrible, uh, the ice apocalypse happened. So we had, like, three weeks of just, you know, craziness. Uh, we went into the hospital uh, recently in February uh, with Annie. And she, we thought that she might come at 25 weeks. And that was really scary. And then uh, we were in the hospital on my birthday uh, in, in February 14th. Then uh, Annie was born like the day before, like the night before. Uh, I'm as interested as you to see what's gonna happen next in our life. I don't know, it's uh, been uh, pretty interesting a uh, couple of years, but I, I wouldn't trade it and it's been good. And I'm, I'm thankful for you guys, for your, you guys praying for us and for um, you know, all of you, especially you guys that are student leaders. I mean, y'all have really filled in the gap well, like when I've been out a lot. And so I'm really, really thankful for y'all. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Okay, so we are going to jump into our series in James. So if you've got uh, your copy of the Bible with you, open that up. I think in the Blue Bibles, it might be like 587. Uh, James, because it's pretty short, but it's right after Hebrews, if that. I don't know if we have the, yeah, we don't have it up. But the series title that we've been doing is, uh, it's called Faith That Works. And that sounds kind of cliche, whatever. Faith That Works, there it is. Uh, and that's never going to be more pronounced than in the text we're looking at tonight. This is more or less the text that we got that from. Uh, it's a theme throughout the book, of course, but it's really, really prominent uh, tonight. So as we're going to see, true saving faith in Jesus will be, ex we believe about Jesus, what we have faith and trust in is going to play itself out, or it ought to play, ourself, play itself out in our lives. So we're going to start in chapter 2, verse 14. That's where we're going to pick up this evening. So I'll read that for us, and you can read along. James 2, 14, I'm going to read through 26. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the so also faith by itself, if it's a you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that apart from that, sorry, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You also see that a person justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute messengers and sent them out by another way. 
For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Okay, what we were to do with this. So Romans told that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Okay, rewind. James 2.24, you see that, as a, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Okay, what are we going to do with that? That's the question. It's an overarching big elephant in the room question contradiction. If, if I were a betting man, I would bet that when you walked in here, you didn't think that the teacher would come up and say, say two Bible verses that seem to contradict each other. That's not really a good strategy when you're trying to convince someone of the truthfulness of something. But we have to address it, both as Christians who are trying to take the Bible seriously, we would say, hey, this is my authority for how I think about God, for what I think God is like. And we have to, maybe doesn't trust the Bible, but it's trying to find, you know, trying to explore it and figure it out. Uh, there, there's gonna need to be some clarification made on this because when you just put them up side by side, they seem to be saying contradictory. After week, when you come in here, uh, you hear someone share the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, the gospel, okay? And this, this comes to a head, really, with these two verses, because the gospel's got, is, is not good news if, if one of us stands up here and says, hey, so you want to be right with God? Here's a list of things that you need to do to be right with God. That's not good news. Some of you guys grew up in churches like that. Grew up in a church like that, maybe that was your view of Christianity. Maybe you thought Christianity was just, I got to do all this stuff, and maybe God will be happy with me. Uh, um, some, of, some of us, we had someone stand up at the front and open the Bible and say, hey, here's how bad you are. And here's five easy steps to forgiveness. Number one, never sin again. And so forth, the basic message was, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and maybe if you work hard enough, maybe and you won't burn in hell. Now, it may not have always been put that blatant. It may have been um, that works-based kind of mentality about how we approach God. It may not have been this teaching actually kind of undergirded. Underlying message still comes across, you've got to fix yourself. This is not exactly great news if you stop and think about it. It's not good news. On the other hand, on the other hand, some of us and some of you grew up with some sort of a, maybe like a pseudo version of Christianity that basically went like this. God loves you. God loves you so much. And all he really wants for you to do is to be comfortable with yourself. Uh, he wants you to love others. The basic message that you heard in, in that kind of church was your biggest problem is that you don't believe enough in yourself. That's, that's your problem. Uh, you were hearing the gospel of self-esteem is what that is, the gospel of self-esteem, because that's not really good news either because it's not truthful. It's got kernels of truth in it, but it's not the way the Bible explains who we are and the, the position that we are. I'm sure, I don't wanna leave this part out. A lot of you grew up in really faithful, good churches too. It wasn't just one or the other, right? Plenty of you grew up in really, good, really great gospel-centered churches that did teach the errors. Uh, really, really seep in common to hear one of these two things. We're gonna see tonight, and I'm gonna, what I'm trying to get across loud and clear is that the gospel is not, on one hand, work harder. It's not, on the other hand, you're fine just the way you are. Okay, so, so what is it then? And we're going to look at that tonight. Uh, I took this summary. I'm going to share a summary of what the gospel is. I took it off the internet, so you know it must be true. Uh, the gospel is about sinners like you and me to God. That's the short version. The gospel is the good news about what Jesus has done to reconcile sinners like you and like me to him. If you think about that and compare it to the two other versions that I just said, uh, it's got to reconcile sinners, that's us, so the whole, you're fine, and all you need to do is believe in yourself kind of falls apart. And then it says, it's what Jesus has done to do. It's what Jesus has done. Very, very different, right? I'm going to give you the, a longer, short 
uh, walk through of this. So the one and only God notes, that's Genesis 1, 26. Three, in his great love, God sent his son Jesus to come as a king and to rescue his people most significantly from their sin. Psalm 2, Luke 1. I know not all of you are taking notes, but I'm trying to say, I think I'm getting this from the Bible. Jesus established his kingdom by acting as mediating priest and a priestly sacrifice. He lived a perfect life and died on the cross, fulfilling the law himself and taking on the punishment for sin. He then rose again from the dead. There's no good news without that part, by the way. Jesus didn't, there's not, the, the resurrection is not some mythical thing. It's not Jesus didn't die just as an example. He literally rose from the dead. Christians have always believed this. This is not controversial if you're a Christian, I hope. He rose from the dead, showing that God accepted his sacrifice and that God's wrath against us had been extinguished. Jesus took that on himself, and he rose from the dead, beating us in Christ alone for forgiveness. John 1, 12, Acts 17. If we repent from our sins and trust in Christ, we're born again and have new eternal life with God. That's good news. So if you're fine just the way you are, God, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross either. And that's Galatians 2, if you want a verse for that one. Like the guys that I'm meeting with talking about Galatians, that should sound real familiar. Now, let's think about all that in light of our passage in James and this one verse that I pulled out in Romans. Quick reminder of these two verses that we're trying to think about together. Romans 3.28 says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And frankly, you could kind of cherry-pick a lot of verses like that. I could cherry-pick some verses uh, out of Romans and Galatians and other things, and I could make a really good case that the Bible teaches the first part. And then I could cherry-pick some verses out of James and other passages, and I could say, oh, no, well, it's teaching this part. And that would do nothing but confuse all of us, and it would make this whole process even worse. So what I'm going to try to do together. So it seems like these verses contradict each other, but uh, I'm, I'm helped a lot in this. I uh, read a book by Ben Stewart who, and Lloyd-Jones, and they just all copy one another. That's what pastor Work it all back down to Paul, hopefully. Uh, let me explain using their help. I found over the years of, you know, studying the Bible and hearing sermons and stuff, sometimes you hear pastors go up and, like, they're trying to s help you see, oh, like, this, no, it's not really contradictory. Every now and then I walk away and I'm like, I don't know, it still seems kind of contradictory to me, uh, the way that they explained it. I think this is not like that, and I, and I, I can say that because I didn't come up with, so we got to consider two things. we got to consider words, and we got to consider content, so words, okay, so the same word can mean different things. Uh, if I said the word rock, I could mean uh, music, I could mean a, a compliment, I could, uh, like you rock, I could, it could be a verb, it could be the name of a man. If I said, uh, this rock is strong, the context with which, right? So if, if, I, if we were sitting in here and there was a giant boulder, if I had a visual illustration, which I don't, but if I had, there's a giant rock right here and I said, this rock is strong, you would know we were, for some stupid reason, Dwayne Johnson, and we were watching that and I said, the rock is strong, you would know I'm talking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay, so the context is what helps us determine the meaning. The context with which the words are said help us know what the heck it is we're talking about. So the, the word justify is like that. The word justify can, can mean two different things depending on the context with which it's used. Right, okay? Uh, like if you have a debt that's paid and, and we've justified it, you've justified the balance, you've made that right, you've canceled the debt out, you've paid for it somehow, you've justified the balance. So it can mean to make something right. On the other hand, it can mean to prove something is right. So if you made an assertion, if you made a claim, and I said, justify that, I don't literally mean, uh, I'm saying if you believe that it's true, vindicate it and demonstrate to me that that's what it really is. So these are two different use era. If I said Annie wants milk, 
and I should go over to Annie and try to convince her that she really does want milk, try to convince Annie that she wants milk. She's wanting me to demonstrate that she really does want milk. So there's the make it right usage, and then there's the prove something is right usage. Those are kind of the two different perspectives. The argument that I'm making and that these authors would make and that really the hinge critical thing here that the Bible is trying to say since when he wrote that uh, verse in Romans. We believe, and what Paul was teaching, was that God justifies sinners. He makes us right once and for all in a one-time act when he justifies us. And that's based on what Jesus has done. It's not based on how good or how bad you and I have been, but it's based on the work of Jesus. James, however, comes along and uses this word in a different sense. The good works that you do, the things that you do, the way you treat people, the way you serve God, whatever, um, this is demonstrating and showing that your faith is real and authentic. But faith never stays alone. It's accompanied by good works, and well, I would say growing in Christ-likeness as well. And we'll dig back in more of that. I'm going to go back to James, and we're going to go kind of verse by verse at the end. Um, but we'll see that more. So the other issue is one of content. So different words sometimes can speak about the same thing. You can be using different words, but they can be speaking about the same thing. Uh, if you're arguing with a friend from England, and you're as well, I want to go play football. Well, that will be a really dumb argument if you're like, no, 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 we should play soccer. And the other one's like, no, no, we should play football. Because you're actually talking about the same thing, but you're using different words. And so Paul and James use a number of different words to describe faith and salvation, but they're communicating the same ideas. Uh, we know that for a number of reasons. I mean, these guys knew one another. It's not like this is, we sometimes think the Bible, oh, maybe it was, you read the book of Acts, they knew one another. They would have known one another's teaching. And if there had been that big of a divergence, they would have said, hey man, like, you're teaching something different than what I'm teaching, and there would have, we, in the Bible, they would have said, uh, no, we, that's too confusing things. Paul argues that we're justified by faith alone. We're brought into this right relationship with God by faith alone. Uh, this is all throughout his writings. It's, it's focused on a lot, I think, in, in Romans 4 through 8. If you wanted to go read that, the book of Galatians, there's a lot about that. Uh, he also argues that God puts his spirit inside of us and that the spirit moves us to love. It moves us to exhibit and display these good faith in him by loving one another in, in word and deed. So faith works itself out through love is what he will say in Galatians 5, 6. So summarizing some of these ideas, Ben Stewart says that it is faith that gives us our right standing with God. The love that comes from it only shows that it is in fact real, living, justifying faith. True faith in God will express itself in deeds. It will be an expression, right? And here's the good news, is that James teaches the exact same thing. He teaches that our salvation is by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone. And James is going to help clarify that for us. He, he says, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Out of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his, cre of his creation. This is um, 101, salvation 101. Every good gift that comes from above, I think so, uh, comes from God. God grants us this salvation, and he brings us forth by his word, is what he would say in verse 18. You and I, uh, we, don't, we don't contribute. If we've brought forth as firstborn, as first fruits, some of your translations would say firstborn of his creation. Uh, we didn't do anything in the birthing process. You're the, the, the mother who birthed you. She did the work. You had no choice in that. James talks about this more in uh, chapter 2, verse 5, when he discusses the idea that those uh, rich in faith are heirs to the kingdom. As, as someone who, like a hired hand who does work, is something that we receive as heirs for those who are in Christ. 
Now, let's look back at the main text. We're going to go back to verse 14. So if you want to have your Bible pulled up, you can read along with me. We're going to look back at this uh, passage that we started with, uh, and we're going to look at this, this argument that James presents. And that, that word, argument, is really what's happening here. He's using a lot of back and forth um, you know, question and answer style. But a lot of scholars would say that he, he, they believe that James is confronting kind of a distortion of Paul's theology. So these people were taking what Paul said, hey, you're saved not as something that you do, but you're saved by a work of, that Jesus does. You're saved on, based on his work. Well, people were saying, well, if that's true, if I can just say, oh, I've got faith in Jesus and not really do anything, I could just say, I've got faith, and then I can go live. Well, Paul anticipates this thinking, actually, and he talks about it specifically in Romans chapter 6. Uh, I won't go into all that at the moment. Um, he, he talks forcefully about that. If you do that, you're abusing this concept of grace. Some clarification. So enter James, who also does it with pretty strong uh, language and, and, and kind of really an argumentation style. So verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Okay, clearly the assumed answer here is no, it, it can't. Uh, if a brother or sister, going on verse 15 and 16, if a brother says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled, or filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? Again here, not, it's not good. <laughs> it's not worthwhile. Uh, later, I think he even uses the word useless. So sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll hear people in church sort of argue about uh, the idea of Okay, do we need to, do we need to, do we need to focus on this physical needs, like in this case, giving the guy, you know, a jacket and saying, you know, go and be filled. Do we need to actually feed him and give him clothes? Or some people would say, well, no, we need the earthly body. That's just going to go away eventually. Sometimes people argue about, about which one of these do we need to focus on as a church, maybe on a mission trip, maybe uh, as, a, as programs, like whatever. Uh, well, here in the text, it seems clear in other parts of scripture for sure. We, that's, really a false dilemma. You're, you're picking between two things that you don't need to pick either or because the reality is both matter and both matter immensely. So this is a false dilemma. The question assumes that you need to pick. In this passage, James is, of course, uh, focusing heavily on the, well, no, you do need to care for their physical needs. If you just say, oh, sorry that you're cold and you're hungry and you just, you know, peace be with you and just walk on, that's not going to really do them any good there in the moment. Of course, that seems obvious, but this is where there's a distortion sometimes. People think, oh, well, what really matters is just their salvation and their soul. And James is saying, well, you've got to talk. Um, believe it or not, statistics would show that Christian churches actually do that a whole lot better. Uh, what I mean is care for physical needs. They do that a whole which is that, oh, Christians, they just care about your soul. So fast. I could show you some statistics on that. Again, don't have time, so I've got to keep moving. Um, verse 17. So also faith by itself, it does, if it does not have works, is dead. So James is clearly saying that there's a kind of faith that is no saving or true faith. So the natural question, you know, for us that we ask then, and if you're a Christian, you're like, oh, maybe I'm sweating a little bit. Um, how do I know the difference? How do we know the different kind of faith or this dead one that, that James is talking about? Well, James continues, and maybe we'll figure it out. Uh, verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So pause here. What's the point of verse 19? You believe and shudder. The point I think he's trying to make here is that mental affirmation and uh, checking a box cognitively and saying, I have sound doctrine, but not have actual saving faith. Vanity 101 class, and still not have saving faith. You could answer all the questions, right? You could know all the stuff and not 
actually have saving faith. This is why a seminary student could have a lot of knowledge, but be a total jerk and a know-it-all. Not that I know anybody like that. Uh, not that I've been kind of like that before, probably, but we'll just move on from that. Uh, the knowledge of truth, I- in this case, when this is happening, and in itself in Christ-like behavior, so it calls into question the very nature of that faith. So this says, not only do, ne- do demons believe in God, but they shudder. So in some manner, these, they res- at bare minimum, they respect God's power, right? They're, they know who God is, they know he's one, and they shudder. They're scared of that reality. So you can even have respect for God and not have saving faith. You can hold your soul and not be saved. You can maintain good outward moral behavior, but be doing it for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> to try to self-justify yourself or for any host of other called respectable sins. <laughs> the notion in our life, maybe, that, maybe in the church culture, that we've just grown so accustomed to, we're like, yeah, well, that's not, that one's not so bad. At least he's not killing anybody, right? Sometimes do that. Now, surely a person who knows God, of course, will respect him, and a person that knows God, by definition, is understanding who he is and what he is, otherwise they don't really know him. So the person that knows God is going to be submitting themselves to, their, to his but this is what the Bible says. Well, I've kind of got to go with the Bible, what the Bible says. The person that knows God will be submitting themselves to Scripture. But there's more to it than that, and James will continue with that. He'll, and he's going to use an Old Testament uh, person, a figure, to drive his point home. So let's continue in verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father Jezek on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed he was called a friend of God by faith alone. He also uses this story about Rahab that we don't have time to go into. Let me skip down to verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Okay, I don't have time to do like a whole history of Abraham, but we get a, a couple of snippets from his life that are referenced here. Uh, where he's ref- the, James is referencing a moment in Abraham's life in Genesis 15, Genesis 22, in verse 21. You got that? Genesis 15, Genesis 22. Everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so God declares Abraham righteous in Genesis 15, 5. Had Abraham lived a good morally and upright lifestyle before that? Not so much. You can go read about it. But because Abraham trusted in the promise that God has, had made, he trusted in God. It was counts 22, which again is referenced by, by James in verse 21. Uh, in Genesis 22, there's this famous story where God tests Abraham's faith. He was looking, you say you have this faith, but he, he gives, gives 2.21 is, was Abraham's faith the kind that produces obedience, or what is, was it this dead kind that has no effect on his life? Was he saying, oh yeah, God, I trust you, but then was there not really any action behind that? And that issue, that concept, that sits close to home for a lot of us, I think. We, we feel that. We, we, we feel that maybe in ourselves as Christians, sometimes the right theological boxes. But man, I've got some parts of my life that don't really seem to line up with what I say I believe. So we all feel that. Uh, frankly, uh, people who possess this dead kind of faith, there's a pretty big reason, not the only reason, by the way, but pretty big reason, why Christians kind of have a bad rap sometimes, I think. It's, to be sure, genuinely saved Christians still screw up and still put their foot, um, but I think I fall in the category of converted Christian that screws up sometimes. Uh, but there are a ton of people who claim the name of Jesus who would check Christian on a box, y'all heard me say that, all in their life that lines up with that. There's not really any that, and it bugs the crap out of them, and they say, well, you say that you're a Christian, but I don't see anything in your life that would reflect anything about this guy Jesus of Nazareth that I read about in the Bible, or that you tell me Jesus is loving and caring, but you're kind of a jerk, 
so that damages and harms our witness. So we need to do the first part of the checking our own heart and seeing where is that the case with our. So I don't really have time to, to go too heavily back into this, this story with Abraham and that we have this reference to, to Rahab. If you guys want, you can discuss that a little bit more in your groups. Um, but we're coming to a moment where I, wanna, I just want us to wrap up and I think we need to try to make this personal for ourselves uh, and maybe ask some hard questions. And so hope that's what you came for here for tonight, some you know, conviction. So uh, hard questions, trust me, hard questions. So I got three groups of people in mind that I want to like speak to indirectly, kind of directly. Uh, number one, those of you here are like, hey, yeah, I'm not a Christian, I don't think I'm, and you're, you're hoping to grow in your faith. I think, I think that's the big group in here. Uh, and then three, I think that there's some of you who are like, man, I don't know. I don't really know where I am. I don't really know that I would check Christian. I don't really know that I wouldn't. Uh, what do I do with this? I want us to think about that. So group number one, uh, you're not a Christian and you don't claim to be. That's, this is for you. Really thankful you're here. It means a lot that you're here. It shows a lot about you. So thanks for hearing us out. And I hope um, we Christians can be a little weird. Um, but we're trying, I promise. We're trying to be nice. Uh, and that's kind of my point, actually, tonight, is that Christians are weird, okay? We're, we're people that know we don't have it together, and we don't try to think that we do, or hope we don't. Um, we've, we think that we found forgiveness uh, from our Creator, and, and that He demonstrated His love for us in the most powerful of ways of giving His life. We're putting all of our eggs in the Jesus basket. That's what Christians are doing. And to a non-Christian, that seems kind of weird. Why would you put all that in this one guy? Um, and I, why I would put my trust in that one guy. Um, if you're not, if you're, again, if you're not a Christian here, what I want you to see is that you are also putting your eggs in a basket. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the basket for you is, but if you examine your life hard enough, I think that you'll see that you are putting your ultimate hope in something. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's in a loved one. Maybe it's in a romantic relationship, a job, school, whatever. Okay, we all to our nature. This isn't a unique uh, observation uh, to me. So uh, David Foster Wallace, he, he was giving a commencement speech at a, at a, at a college, and he uh, told a parable. So I want you to hear listen to this parable. It says, there are two fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two fish swim on for a bit, and eventually, what the heck is water? Okay, weird parable. What's the point? A lot of points. I could, again, you could do a whole sermon on that, that quote. What's water? The things that are right there in front of our face and that we don't know are right there in front of our face for a number of reasons. Maybe we've gotten so accustomed to them, whatever. But we all worship. All of us, without exception, worship because we can't not see something as the most important thing in our life. By, de by default, we all do it. The question is, what are you worshiping? And is that good enough to be God? And I would say it's not even close, whatever it is. Christian who's hoping to grow. Again, probably the majority of you in the room. That's what I think. I think y'all are great. I like you. Uh, I'm, one, I'm one of you. Um, where, where are those areas in your life? You know, you read this verse, and, you know, like I said, some of us were kind of like, oh, man, I don't know. Is my faith genuine? Uh, that's, that's okay. It's a good call to examine your life. I don't think we all need to walk out of here and be like, oh, my gosh, am I saved? Um, I think, weirdly, like a passage, you're like, okay, I guess, I guess the answer is I got to just fix all this stuff in my life. It doesn't look like Jesus. Uh, and then, Ironically, you just get back on the wheel of performance and the wheel of, I don't, God doesn't love me, right? And that's what's done for you, believing that his work is enough and that that's all you need for right standing with God is trusting in Jesus, not trusting in your performance. And then out of that, when you love Jesus more and you see that as beautiful and you say, wow, that he would do that for me, I, that's astounding. 
that will cause you to want to do those things. All the things that were once a burden and, oh, I don't really know if I want to read my Bible today or I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know. All that drifts away. You say, why would I not want to do that? (laughs) Why would I not want to share about the thing that's most important to me? So for the committed Christian, it's what we do all the time in here. We're examining our life. We're trying to make it conform to the image of Christ, right? Uh, uh, Lastly, number three, I think this may be just a couple of you guys in here, but I love you and I care about you. Number three is the people in here who have some confusion. They don't really know, uh, and I'm sorry, space where you're like, I just don't really know what I think about all this stuff. Um, again, the fact that you're even here is grace. It is great, and I'm really, really thankful. But I, I would ask you, um, they're confused because they have this idea, thing that I work really hard at, kind of like that first default thing that I mentioned. It's this religion is good. It kind of helps me figure some things out, and it's really about me just bettering myself. Um, and, and then... Christianity comes along and you start exploring Christianity and it's like, that Jesus guy, he seems like a pretty good dude. He seems like he's got some good ideas. Um, Jesus' claims and who he claimed to be, if he didn't really die on the cross and rise from the dead, if he didn't do that, then he's a crazy guy, okay? You've got options on that. Lewis called, Lewis C.S. Lewis said he's either the Lord, he is or either is who he claimed to be. He's lying about it. Maybe he knew that he wasn't the son of God, but he just said he was. Uh, or he's, he genuinely believed that he was, but he was just crazy. So, Lord, liar, lunatic, so let him get off the hook that easy, because Jesus wasn't a legend, okay? He existed historically. We can talk about that later if you have questions about that. But if you've never made that decision to tr- place faith in his life, to read about him, to know about him, talk to a grown-up in Christian, pseudo-Christian circles, or near Christianity, like adjacent to it, you can look at Jesus and think of him as a really good moral teacher, and do all the things, try to live according to how Jesus calls you to live, but you can be trying to do it all in your own power. And if you're doing that, you're really just looking to Jesus as a good moral teacher, but not really as a savior. And there's a huge difference between those two things. So I just challenge you to consider and think about that. Um, He isn't just attending church and checking off a box. Uh, I'm sorry if you were misled that that was how and what it is. Uh, But Jesus wouldn't die on the cross so you could sing songs and hear a morality lesson here at BSM tonight or on Sunday morning. You could do that on YouTube, okay? You don't need to come here for that. That sounds really boring, too, just hearing a moral lecture a couple times a week. I think there's a whole lot more to it than that. I hope that you see that there's a lot more. Trusting in your own works, you're trusting in your goodness, trusting Jesus, okay? I'd be happy to talk to you about that, but I'm done. I ran out, I, did wait, I talked way too long, but I hope your groups uh, go well. Let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll, for these students, thank you for the fact that they would, I hope, learn about you and your word. Uh, I'm just so thankful for each of them, and I just pray wherever they are right now, uh, maybe they don't even fit neatly on my little three-part uh, numbered list there. I don't know. But you know, and you care uh, deeply about each and every one of them, and I pray that they would really feel that in a powerful and tangible way tonight, and that they would know how much you love them, and that you would uh, make the ultimate sacrifice so that they could be in a new relationship, a restored relationship, really, with you. I pray that this time has been helpful and encouraging for us to ponder who you are. I pray that our, our lives would look different as a result of spending some time studying your word together. We know your word is powerful. Uh, your spirit is active. Uh, anytime that it's spoken, that we're hearing your words to us. And so I just um, thank you for, for preserving us to take some time to examine it. I just pray for these students as they go throughout the rest of the semester that they would uh, find time to spend with you, that when they've got uh, a million different things to study and they've got school, family, relationships, whatever, to prioritize time with you uh, as well, Lord. We love you uh, so much. We thank you for this time. We pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.